I've been talking about stuck for, this is part four actually, and uh, hope, hopefully it's been giving you some thoughts about not allowing yourself to get stuck in the negative and complaining and, and fear and anxieties and worries. But I want to talk today about, you know, getting unstuck from the past. You know, sometimes the past can hinder us from going forward. And I'm talking about mistakes and sins, but you know, sometimes our successes of the past, we can try to rest on those laurels, if you would. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like someone tells me, it's like, well, yeah, I led someone to Christ, you know, the whole family accepted Christ. Oh, that's fantastic. When it happened? Uh, 28 years ago, you know. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? Uh, 28 years ago. It's like, you know, we need to keep moving forward every day. We really, really do, you know. You, you, you really can't not reach your full potential by living in the past. And sometimes the past, you know, we're, we're stuck there in the mud hole of our past because we failed at something and we feel like, well, I can't, I can't move forward. Or if something bad happens to me, we always kind of point back as, well, it's because of that, you know, of being in the past. But I believe that God wants to get us unstuck from the past so we can move forward. Well, this is what it says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Does anybody here reach perfection? Just trying to check and see. No? No hands went up. Okay. You're a wise, wise group of people. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I keep working toward. I keep working toward. I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm working toward that day. I'm not stuck in the past. I'm, I'm working toward that day. I'm moving forward when I, will finally, when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. I'm, I'm moving forward, you see. Verse 13 says, no, dear friends, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past. I'm not stuck in the past. I'm forgetting the past. I'm forgiven of the things in my past and looking what? Forward. When you're looking forward, you're, you'll be moving forward as well. It says, I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You know, there was a famous guy, probably y'all remember learning a little bit about him when you were in school once upon a time. His name was Christopher Columbus. And Christopher Columbus, when he was sailing, you know, to this land, trying to discover what was out here, he had a pretty good hunch what was here, uh, all of the men on board his ship at certain times, they thought about mutiny. They were out there and they felt like they were lost and they were low on provisions at times. And it was a tough, you know, journey. It really was, you know, with him having to deal with this mutinous spirit all the time. But at the end of his day, Christopher Columbus, in his captain's journal, in his log, he would write, Today we moved westward. That was his big, you know, dream. 
to move westward and to discover all that's here. But he would write that at the end of his day, every day, today, we moved westward. And you know, would to God that you and I, at the conclusion of our day, regardless of what mud holes we had to go through in life and difficulties, whatever life brought us, that at the end of every one of our day, that we could write in our journal, today, I moved Godward. I moved a little bit closer to God than I was before. And that's a noble thing. That's a positive thing. But in order to move Godward, we've got to forget the past. We've got to leave that stuff behind us so we can move forward. You know, God has something better. And, you know, I've been thinking about this. Uh, this past October, we celebrated our 39th anniversary of Faith Living Church being here. And I shared, I think, is that my goal is that next October, we're going to have some real fancy celebrations a little homecoming, invite everybody to come back, you know, for a surface and just do some spectacular things. Although it is at the same, on the same day where we have our, our float and the parade and all that kinds of wonderful stuff. But I was thinking about that, you know, we as a church are not stuck in the past. We have changed so much over the years. We really have in a lot of different ways. And I have a few things jotted down to just challenge us as we look forward. Live churches, and, and you know what our name is, right? Faith Living Church. So we believe that we're alive. Our faith is alive. Live churches are constantly changing, not stuck in the past, constantly changing. Dead churches don't have to. Live churches have lots of noisy kids. And on cue, they were supposed to make a lot of racket up there. I'm usually sending an usher to go, calm it down, guys. But live churches have lots of noisy kids. Dead churches are fairly quiet. Live churches always invest what they have into people's lives. Dead churches take in more than they ever dreamed of ever spending. Live churches are constantly improving for the future. Dead churches worship their past what they did, what they had once upon a time. Live churches move out in faith. Dead churches operate totally, totally by human sight. Live churches focus on people. Dead churches focus on programs. Live churches are filled with tithers. Dead churches are filled with tippers. Live churches dream great dreams of God. Dead churches relive nightmares. Live churches don't have can'ts in their dictionary. Dead churches have nothing but can't. We can't. Live churches evangelize. Dead churches fossilize. You know, God created different seasons for a purpose. And he gave you me the ability to change. That's what he wants us to always be willing to change. The scripture tells us as we behold him in his word, we are changed from glory to glory to become more and more like him, you know. So let's don't get stuck in just one season. Think about that. Don't, I, I anyhow, I enjoy all the seasons. I, I wouldn't like it if it was always summer. I really wouldn't. And, and winter time helps you 
to greatly appreciate spring, doesn't it? And isn't fall awesome with all the colors and the fragrances and the, all the harvest of the apples and everything, you know, ripening up and all? Anyhow, we don't need to get stuck in just one season. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There is a time for everything. A season. And, and season, a season, it just means there's going to be change. You know, there's a season of such and such in our lives. And he says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah that God's plans for you are good and not evil to give you hope, to give you a confident expectation for your future. That's what God's word says. And you study it and you can discount that. I've heard people say, well, that's not for us today. Well, I didn't. Send all the blessings you was going to have for them. Send them my way then, okay? I'll take all those extra blessings. But he says in verse 2, there's a time to be born. It's a time to die and a time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal and a time to tear down and a time to rebuild and a time to cry and a time to laugh and a time to grieve and a time to dance and a time to scatter stones. You know, you clean out that garden spot so you grow all those wonderful veggies out there and all. And it says there's a time to scatter stones and there's a time to gather stones. Maybe you're wanting to make a, a nice little rock wall and you gather them up, you know, or, or a little outbuilding or something for all those stones. He goes on to say it's a time to embrace and a time to turn away and a time to search and a time to lose and a time to keep and a time to throw away and a time to tear and a time to mend and a time to be quiet and a time to speak up and a time to love and a time to hate and a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have thought about this in connection with the various kinds of Work God has given people to do. In verse 11, a powerful verse, it says, And God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Hasn't he? Even in the most fearful and frightening thing that people have lots of times is death. But you know what? In the season of, of death, there's heaven. For a caterpillar, there's a butterfly. And we understand and we know. Although we love what God has provided for us, we still know that we're passing through, right? We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is, is God, you know? And God, it says here, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has put eternity in the human heart. God's given us an eternal perspective to live our life with this perspective that one day, I'm going to live face to face with Almighty God. It's not a frightening thing. It's not a fearful thing. He wants us to live with that eternal perspective. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. You know? And, and I'm talking about where we can look beyond the routines of life. Have you ever experienced in your life some routines that just kind of gets boring? Oh, you have? Okay. Well, you live long enough, you'll find it, you know. But I like excitement, you know. I like to be on the cutting edge. I like change. I really do. You know, whatever God's up to. But he wants us 
to be in a position where we can look beyond, beyond just the routines, the normal routines and the kind of blase stuff of just routine life, you know, and that takes faith to see the big picture, what God has in front of us. But even so, the scripture says here, he's planned eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope. They can't see the whole extent. They can't see all the possibilities that God has before us. We think it's kind of, well, this is as good as it gets. And that's really not true. It says, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Therefore, because they don't have a heavenly perspective, they get discouraged and they get stuck. And they're kind of stuck in their past and they can't move forward the way they should. Are you stuck by looking at problems? And we'll call the problems and troubles, we'll call those mud holes, okay? Think about that. Are you stuck looking at problems, not seeing the whole scope of, from God's perspective? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, listen to what it says. It says, for our present mud holes, I know it says troubles, just bear with me here, okay? For our present troubles, mud holes, are quite small. And some people are going like, well, how can you say that, you know? How can you say that? You say that from God's perspective. When you can see the mud hole or the problem from God's perspective because we're not stuck. How many of you have ever made it through a mud hole? Say, yes, awesome. Let's go back and do it again, you know. You made it through that trouble. You made it through that mud hole. You've got a, a perspective. I can make it through there. We can get through that thing, you know. For our present troubles, the scripture here says, are quite small and won't last very long. We don't have to be stuck in the past. We don't have to be. It says, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. Romans 8.18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later. The best is yet to come. Verse 18, it says, so we don't look at the troubles or we don't look at the mud holes we can see right now. You know, we're not stuck in them. You don't just sit there and just stare at the mud hole. You know what I do when I'm going down old dirt road somewhere and I see a mud hole? First thing I do is smile. <laughs> and then I stop the car and I get out and I'll take a stick of some kind and I'll see how deep it is. And if there's trees or rocks or tires or other cars hidden down there somewhere. You know, and then I'll back up there and I'll have it in four wheel drive and I'll go through the thing, you know. Do I do that? Yeah. I do that. It's awesome. It's a trouble, it's a problem, and I have been known because the water was so deep, you know, when you see it up here on your windows like this or something or other, it's so deep once I get through it, I'll come back with a little army shovel and I'll dig a trench to drain most of the water out because I got to come back that way in a little bit, you know, and I know I just barely made it through. But I've always gotten through, always, regardless of how much time it took, I've always gotten through, and we need to have a heavenly perspective that there are seasons in our life and, and we can go through these things. We don't have to be stuck in the past. 
It says here, verse 18, so we don't look at the troubles or the mud holes we can see right now. We don't just stare at those things. We look forward to what we have not yet seen. You know, we're, we're looking beyond. We're, we're looking forward. We, we got the big picture here now, you know, looking from God's perspective. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen for the troubles or the mud holes we see will soon, what? They'll soon be over. Yeah. They'll soon be up. We'll be out of them, to be honest with you. But the joys to come will last forever. And, and joy comes from seeing beyond the mud hole. Joy comes from seeing beyond the trouble, you know. And we're not stuck there and we can move forward. And you know my favorite verse in Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that God causes what? Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We're not stuck. And we're not going to be stuck in 2019 either. Well, we're going into a whole new decade. We don't have to be stuck in the past. We, we want to move forward, don't we? We want to move forward. And hey, listen, if me moving forward, you know, I, I, I uh, go on and I'm sliding down the streets to go on my sock feet. That's okay. That's all part of the journey that we're on. And one day that's what we all hope to experience. So when the eternal comes into, you know, face, to face with the temporal, something's going to give. And the eternal, the word of God and God's purposes and his plan will overrule all the other temporal kinds of stuff. Now, was Paul and Silas stuck in prison? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Well, let me tell you, they were thrown in prison. They were put down into the, the, the lower dungeon with all the human feces that's never cleaned out. And the rats live there and they're putting these stocks where they have to sit flat, you know, sit not in a chair, but flat with their legs out and their feet lifted up and put in these stocks and they're chained. And it's dark. There's no light. There's no windows there. So the jailer, when he comes in, he brings a torch of some kind. And they got thrown in that day. And that night, their, their backs were raw and all crusty with scabs from the beatings that they took. And the Bible says at 12 o'clock that night, they began to sing. That's kind of evidence right there that they ain't stuck. You know, they kind of got out of that place with song. And they begin to sing and they begin to worship God. Prophet, some of the prisoners was thinking at first, like, hey, keep it down. We want to sleep so we don't have to think about this place where we're at. But they just worship God. And uh, I, I visualize this every time I read that verse, and God got carried away. There's my kids down there singing to me. God got to tapping his foot. He got a little bit too heavy on that foot tapping. Caused what? An earthquake, the Bible says. All the doors opened up in the prison. The chains popped off of every prisoner. And the jailer, who would have to serve all of their time, and go through all the punishments they were going to go through. He would have died. He's getting ready. He sees the earthquake, set everybody free. He goes down for a lamp. He's getting ready to take his own life. And Paul says, hey, don't do that. We're all here. And, and he went in there and he took them to his home. And he washed their wounds and bandaged them and fed them a 
feast that night and the jailer and all of his family accepted Christ as their savior that night. And then Paul and Silas went back to prison on purpose. And they said, you, you have to have the town officials come down here and escort us out because they wrongly, you know, they wrongly treated us this way. And that's what happened, to be honest with you. So my question again was, Paul and Silas stuck in prison? No. Not at all. They were there, but they weren't stuck. Was Jesus stuck in the tomb? No. no. Three days later, he rose from the dead. You know, and God don't want you and me stuck nowhere. He surely don't want us to be stuck in the past. He wants us to, to move forward, to see the big picture, and, and to go forward. That's, that's what he has in store for all of us. And, and the Bible tells us in him, in our relationship with him, but it says in him we live and we move. We're not stuck. In him we live and we move and we have our being in our relationship with him. Don't keep reliving the old stuff. Sometimes I talk to people and they tell me the same thing that they've told me every time I visited them before. It's like, here's time to get beyond that. It's time to move forward. It's time to meet some new people and dream some bigger dreams and pray about some awesome things. It's time to move forward, you know. Are you willing to cross the line into the unknown? You remember what God told Abraham? He says, Abraham, I want you to leave your father and mother, and I want you to go into a land that I will show you. Would you be willing to pack up and go to another area? God didn't tell them even what state they were going to. He said, I'll show you on the way. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about that's, you know, crossing a line into the unknown. That's the issue of faith, you see. Are we willing to cross the line of the impossible? Where God told Moses, it looked to everybody else that Moses and the whole nation of the Israelites were stuck. Here's the Egyptians who are coming behind them with their chariots and their war horses and their swords and their spears and all to capture or kill them all. And there's uh, the, the sea, the Red Sea is in front of them. The army is behind them and they look like they're stuck. And God told Moses, hey, I want you to go down there to the Red Sea. And he said, this is what God told him. He says, there is a path through this Red Sea that nobody knows is here. But I put it here. And he had him hold up his staff there and step out in the water a little bit and all. And <laughs> the Red Sea opened up. And they walked through on dry ground. It looked like they were stuck, but they weren't stuck. And the Israelites were fleeing from the Egyptians, warriors, and the Egyptian warriors came down there and they looked it up, they figured it out a little bit, thought about it, and they took off through the uh, Red Sea like the Israelites had done. And about halfway across that thing, when all the Israelites were out on the other side, the Red Sea closed back in. And the entire Egyptian army was wiped out. And scientists, even to this day, will testify that there are remnants and pieces of uh, chariots on the bottom out there somewhere. They've discovered them. It's pretty amazing when you think scientists are just proving what the Bible has said all along, you know. So when you start to get unstuck, you know what a lot of people are going to do? Have you ever caught crabs and put them in a bucket and you're going to bring them home for dinner or something, you know? 
Well, we've experienced that a time or two. And you, you catch these crabs and you throw them in a bucket. You don't need a lid. You got several crabs in a bucket there. And one of them crabs is going like, I'm getting out of here. And he starts climbing up the side of the bucket. And there's another big old crab sitting there and goes, no, you don't. Pulls him back down. Another crab decides he's going to get out. You know, he's climbing over the edge of the bucket. No, he goes, oh, no, you don't. Now, I don't know if I ever tell you this or not, but when I was a teenager for a couple years of my life, as I was, you know, last year in high school and then out on my own for a while, I smoked. Okay? I mean, it's not a good habit to have, but everybody who knew me, I was pretty fed up with it. And when I started off to college, and I hated it, and I just couldn't get free of it. It was, I was stuck in it, and everybody who knew me said, you will smoke for the rest of your life. You cannot quit. They are very crab-like. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. Do you ever have people like that in your life? You know, it's going to get worse, you know, and things like that. There are people who do that, who the devil uses to try to keep us stuck. But we don't want to be stuck, do we? Well, let me see here. You ever see one of these? What is it? It's a coloring book. How many of you have ever had a coloring book? Everybody. Okay. That's awesome. And then I got here a big old box of crayons. And you look at them, you go, where's all the other crayons at? They fell out in the bottom of my bag, you know. They're there, though. So what is one of the very first things that people tell you once you begin on your journey of coloring in a coloring book? What's one of the first statements they tell you? Stay within the lines. Why? Because someone told them to stay within the lines. And I go, why? You got all this extra room there. There's a walrus. You could do sharks and octopus and fish and crabs pulling each other down in a bucket. And I mean, seashells. Why do I have to stay within the lines? Why? You know, just like being boring and color something that someone made 10 zillion of them. Why can't I get outside the lines and use my creativity a little bit. You know, why do I have to be stuck within the lines that someone else said I had to be stuck in? I don't, I don't believe that, you know. Can you see beyond the lines? I can. You know, when you, a kid brings a, the, the picture that they color within the lines, you go, oh, that's nice. When you see somebody who went outside the lines and they drew all kinds of other things, you go, Wow! Where did that come from? It came from inside. You were seeing a bigger picture. And I want to challenge you to color outside the lines. That's what I'm talking about. You remember uh, Christopher Columbus? He crossed the lines. He discovered a brand new world, you know. He crossed the lines that seemed impossible. He really did, you know. He saw the big picture. Noah in the Bible he saw the big picture. He went beyond the, the lines as well, you know. Uh, 90 years making this fantastic boat and all. And he went way beyond anything anybody had ever seen before. And when the f- flood came, his whole family and two of all the animals were spared because he went outside 
the lines. Moses stepped across the lines. He went to Pharaoh, you know, and he said, on behalf of God, let my people go. <laughs> I mean, to go and talk to a Pharaoh like that, that's pretty serious kind of stuff. He was outside the lines, but he saw the bigger picture. And Esther, Queen Esther did something very similar, you know, because Queen Vashti, who was banished from the king because her rebellious spirit and all, they'd made a law. You never come before, the queen never comes before the king unless he personally invites her to. But Esther felt compelled because Haman was going to put an end to all the Jewish people. And uh, she alone could go in there and stop him. But she knew she would probably be killed if she did. But Esther, she went on and approached the king anyhow. And she found favor <clears throat> and saved the entire Jewish nation because of that. The only reason we quit and we get stuck is because we don't see the bigger picture. And we're stuck, and then we kind of give up, and we kind of quit. Have you ever heard of the New York Giants? Yeah. Ever heard of them? Yeah. Okay, I heard of them a time or two myself, you know. Have you ever heard of the uh, Chicago Porcupines? I know what the fish are biting, but I'm not up on all these other sports, okay? I'm sorry, but the Chicago Bears. And I got corrected last night. Because I was talking about this guy named Walter Patton. And if I said, it's not Patton, it's Peyton. Okay. All right. And I come to understand he was a believer. He did a lot of phenomenal things during, you know, his uh, career there. But Walter Peyton, he rushed, you know, during his career, over nine miles he gained in Russian. I don't think he spoke Russian, but he did a lot of Russian in playing the game. I know that's a bad joke. All right, I got it. But what happened is they figured it out. He was knocked down every four and a half yards during his career. When he was rushing, trying to gain yardage, he was knocked down every four and a half yards. But he got up. And by the time his career was over, he had rushed and gained over nine miles. Can you imagine falling down every four and a half yards just in one mile, half a mile, quarter of a mile, tenth of a mile? That's a lot of getting knocked down, but he got back up. Why? He saw the big picture. He saw the big picture. Some people get stuck in the past and they don't see the big picture, so they stay there. And I'm not going to try that again. I know what happens. You know, I'm going to get tackled. But see, we got to see the big picture. And you don't want to be stuck in the past. You want to move ahead. God's got something so much better. And we're willing to go out on a limb. You go up on the tree and you go out on the limb. And it's a little spooky out on that limb there. But that's where the apples and the peaches and the pears grow. Out on the limb. That's just the way it is. You know, we got to see the, the big picture to keep us moving and to keep us unstuck. Now listen to what it says here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, it says, Even though I am free, I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave, a servant to all people. <clears throat> Why? To bring many to Christ. You know, and we must earn 
the right to share our faith with other people. He goes on to say here, verse 20, he says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. So I'm willing to change in order to win other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm willing to, to change, you know. I'm not going to be stuck in only one way. Verse 21 says, When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And when I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. Everything I can to save some. Did I tell you if, if I'm done with teaching on the series called Stop? But next year, because I got a lot more stuff left in my box, next year, randomly, whenever I take a notion between services, or I may even interrupt a service just to bring back one series or one message about being stuck, because there's a lot of things that we get stuck in. Isn't that the truth? Just so you know, you might see stuck scattered out through the whole next year. One over here, one over there. Is that, is that okay with you guys? Okay. Well, I got something here. What does that look like? <laughs> Looks like a bag. Happens to be orange. There are no oranges in this bag. But uh, Scott, I think Scott, is that you back here, Scott? Scott's back in the corner. Uh, he is over our safety and security team, and Scott is a retired cop. Is that a, that's a positive term, cop. Police, whatever you want to call it. But uh, he, he's retired. And while he was uh, serving years ago, he was also a diver. And f when cars would go into a lake or a pond or a river or somebody fell in, he was there and he, he dove to retrieve things and all that was part of his job. And anyhow, Scott gave me this. And uh, this is pretty amazing. This thing right here is designed when somebody f falls through a pond that's frozen, somebody falls through. This here is designed so they don't have to be stuck out in the middle of a frozen pond. You know, you don't have much time, not, not even drowning, but just hypothermia can set in. So I'm gonna show you how this thing works. I'm gonna throw it, okay? So be prepared to defend yourself. I mean, seriously, because I'm gonna throw it as far as I can. Is that okay? Y'all ready? I'm not going to go that way because I might hit the lights, but I'm going to go this way. And I'm just going to probably go about four seats back, something like that, all right? So. All right. I made it in the balcony. Woo. Out of the three services, this is the first one that made it to the balcony. Awesome. Hang on. Just leave it right there. Hang on to it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. 
Get you guys tangled up. Well, okay, somebody grab a hold of it. Just hang on to it for a moment. To the bag, not the rope. Turn, turn loose the rope, just a second. Hang on to the bag. If you was in the water and you broke through, you think I could pull you out? And, and even if I wasn't as strong as I should be, I'll get some other folks. But you hang on to that thing, you know, and we would pull you out. You wouldn't be stuck in there for long. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. I think everybody actually have one of these in their car. What if, what if somebody fell through out there? And said, well, what am I going to do? Just watch them, you know, but you could pull them, pull them out. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Okay, here, you can hand that to Scott. There's Scott. Scott, thank you for this. And I'm going to pull him up here. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And you know what? If I miss my target, I am so thrilled to make it to the balcony. That is awesome, you know. That was a big picture. I've been trying to reach the balcony for three services, and we did it. But if we don't succeed and we miss our target, you don't wrap it back up for the second throw. You fill it full of water. It's heavy now. You can throw it even further. Does that make sense? You know, it's just like, why would you leave somebody stuck out there, you know, when they fell through the ice on a pond or a little stream or something? Why would you leave them there if you had the ability to get them unstuck? Wouldn't that be fantastic to get them unstuck? You know, rescue them to save their life. And that's what we're talking about here. We're Paul's talking about, let me read it again. He says in verse 22, 1 Corinthians 9, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Are we doing everything we can to save some, to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ? People feel guilt and, and regret. They feel their sin and they feel stuck and they're like God's mad at them. And they need us to throw them a rope and, and, and to rescue them and get them unstuck. What about a time such as Christmas when we celebrate the coming of a savior, a rescuer? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I'm telling you that Jesus came to rescue every man, woman, boy, and girl. And he's not mad at you. And he wants you to be unstuck from your past and unstuck from your sins and anything that will bind you. And the apostle Paul says, I'll do anything I can do to find common ground. I'll become like them so I can win them to Christ. And he says that very thing. I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Everything I can. Are, are, are we doing everything we can to reach somebody because there is a heaven and there is a hell. There really is. And Jesus came. That's why we make such a big to do of, of lights on trees and celebrations and all that Christ has done. He came to rescue us from our sins. And he wants to forgive everybody. That's just the truth of it. Verse 23 says, I do everything to spread the good news and to share it in its blessings. Oh, does anybody remember a girl by the name of Jessica McClure? That means you're old. You know. I don't know if 
30 some odd years ago, Jessica McClure was a little, probably two years old, maybe not quite that. She fell in a little opening, a well, and she fell way, 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 way down in the well. And our whole United States and every nation on the face of the earth sent money, sent machinery, sent people, sent specialists, and they worked feverishly around the clock to dig and to make sure that they didn't, you know, dig too close to where it would crush the, the little well there. But they rescued Jessica McClure. And the place was wild. I mean, all the fences were down. People for, forgot about their differences and they worked feverishly to rescue this little girl, which they did do. What about the times when we've seen men's cold covered being pulled out of a caved in mine after they've been there for a couple of weeks and all the miners and people from around the planet, they send the money, they send the machinery, they send the experts and they dig and they do everything in their power to rescue those men. And when they come up out of that mine, they caved in. And they see light of day and there are hundreds and hundreds of people and thousands of them watching on line and on televisions and on their phones and all. And everybody applauds. We rescued them. There ain't nothing better than that. Nothing is better than that. And you and I have been given such a noble commission. You know, if there were a handful of people almost 40 years ago. Well, we started a Bible study here 40 years ago, and it became the church. And they invested their time and energy and their monies. And that's fine. 40 years later, there's a church here called Faith Living Church that has been instrumental in starting tons of other churches and training tons of other ministers and have led thousands and thousands and thousands of people to Christ in that 40 years. Do you have the big picture can you see beyond? Can you, can you go beyond coloring within the lines? It's like, God, what do you want me to do? What can what you want me to see, Lord? Help me to see things from your perspective. Help me to become everything I can become. Help me to find common ground that I can rescue every man, woman, boy, and girl who don't know you yet. We don't want them to die in their sins and to die in their past, but we want to rescue them and bring them to the place a relationship with Christ. One more uh, verse right here. It says in Colossians 1, 6, it says the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world and it is changing lives everywhere. Hmm. Just as it changed yours. That very first day you heard and understand the truth about God's great kindness to sinners. No longer stuck in my sins, in my past, but forgiven. Now, I have one final illustration, if y'all can help me with it, because I left my illustration at home. So what I need to do, I need to borrow something from you, and I promise you, it's recorded, everybody's your witness, I promise I'll give it back. But I need to borrow a couple... $20 bills, 50 is even better. A $200 bill would be acceptable (laughs) if if they make it. 
So does anybody have, and I need like three or four people to do that. Thank you, brother. All right. Dear, would you help me remember? He gave me $3. <laughs> oh, all right. Don't let me for 50. Okay. Who is sitting beside him? 50. This is, yeah, $4. Okay. Susan, you got to help me remember this. Oh, man. Wow. Two, four, six, eight, ten. That was $5. Okay. Oh, there's $70. How am I going to remember all this? Okay. Oh, 20. You may be dismissed. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. This is awesome. We should do this more often, you know. Where are we going for lunch, dear, for today? Okay. Oh, you, you help me remember? They'll remember. They'll remember, okay. Everybody brought me like a $1 or $5. I don't remember what it was. Oh, okay. All right, so if Sam, we'll give all this away. I'm going to repay everybody who let me borrow it. You know, it may not be with the same money, but I'll pay them exactly what they let me borrow it. Is that okay? Would that be okay? Who would want this? Now, be honest, okay? You don't have to be noble. Oh, no, I wouldn't want that, you know. <laughs> Who would want it? Amen. Okay, hang on a second. <laughs> now, who would want it? <laughs> More people now, huh? Now who would want it? Where'd he go? Oh no, you might not get that one back. Where's it back there? Okay, you see it down there? Thank you, sir. All right. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> We're not done yet. <clears throat> huh. I took care of it. Now who would want it? It has been beaten up. It's had some bad experiences. Some of us have been hid in the darkness behind the stairs there. It's all kinds of other junk. And you still would want it? Let me tell you something. Although it's had some bad experiences, it retained its value. And there are so many people in this world who've been through some really heartbreaking, terrible situations in their life. And you may be tempted to look down on them and criticize them and judge them because of where they're at or what they don't have. But I'm going to tell you, no matter what they've been through, they retain their value. 
Every one of you, God values tremendously. That's why he sent his son Jesus to this earth. And he died on a cross because of values that he places upon you. And every man and woman, boy and girl that you know on this planet, and they may be mean and ornery because they have been abused like this. And they try to get away from you from time to time. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Hey, you're so helpful here today. But God says you retain your value. You're always valuable to him. He loves you. And that's why Jesus went for every man, woman, boy, and girl on this planet. He went to the cross and he gave his life blood and he shed his blood for everyone because we retain our value no matter what we've been through. He values you and will forgive you and he'll throw you that lifeline and get you unstuck and bring you out. And so the past, you know, just damning the rest of you and sucking you down into the quicksand of life. He will rescue because you have great value to almighty God. Does that make sense? And hopefully you'll remember this lesson every time you see a, a piece of money, no matter if it's torn or it's dirty or, or whatever you'll recognize. You know what? That, that bill right there has been through some real bad times, but it retains its value. And that guy out there with the cardboard sign, you know, and that person who is homeless or living under the bridge or whatever it might be, in God's eyes, they still retain the value of his creation. And he will forgive them. And he will set them free from their past. And the Bible says if any man's in Christ, he becomes a new creature. Whole things have passed away. All things have become new. Because he values you so very much. God's crazy about you. And I'm going to tell you, at a time like this, as we celebrate Christmas, what a wonderful time to invite somebody Come to church with us. I would bribe them. Would take you out for breakfast afterwards. You know, I'm not above bribing people. You know, take you out for lunch even. You know, I'll give you an old raggedy old dollar bill. You know, but the thing is, see, we do whatever we can, as the apostle said, do whatever I can that I can save some. To bring them to Jesus. Because there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. And we've got to do our part to reach them. And we're willing to change. We're willing to do whatever it takes to win men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I ask your blessings upon these men and women in this room. And those up in our balcony and those down in our cafe. Especially, Lord, bless all those who are watching us online. And I ask that you would just awaken us to our potential. We would have that divine, that heavenly perspective that we would begin to recognize that who we are and what we do and what we got, we can make a difference and we can nudge people closer to you and show us how to do it, Lord, in this season. What gift can we give you whose birth that we celebrate other than bringing other men and women, boys and girls, to the knowledge of you? And helping them get unstuck and helping them get free. Lord, help us to do that. As our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed for just another moment. I'd like you to reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus. 
and maybe you're here and you've never declared your faith, or maybe you're watching online and you've never done that either, would you pray with me and open up your heart and receive Christ into your life right now? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he gave his life for mine. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. Help me, Lord, to make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name.